How many of you know that there's always a deeper thing inside of you? There's always something more. How many of you find yourself comfortable with where you're at and you're trying to cope with where you're at? The Lord is always actually putting you into situations to pull something new out of you. The Curseys went with me to India back in uh, 2020. And um, we were there a few days. Uh, one of the pastor's conferences, they, they asked us to come to their church. It was a church where they, uh, you know, they weren't, they really didn't embrace the Holy Spirit. They certainly didn't know anything about the gifts of the Holy Spirit or healing or anything supernatural. And uh, we walked into this church and Jerry says, what are you preaching about tonight? I said, I'm not preaching, you're preaching. He looked at me and he said, all right. And he started to preach. 20 minutes later, the whole church is set on fire. The pastor's crying. He's shaking. We're laying hands on people. People are praying in the Holy Ghost, right? There was something deeper that the Lord wanted to pull out of Jerry that night. Amen? So if I, pull, if I pick you out, it's not because I'm, I'm angry at you. It's because the Lord's going to pull something deeper out of you. Amen? Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost, pull something deeper out of me. Holy Ghost, awaken the giant killer that hides inside of me. Amen? Alright, so there's a few key revelations that we have to get to to walk into the destiny, the fullness of what the Lord has for us. And one of them is actually breaking off the wrong definition of church. Right? You know, there's only one definition of church and that's what Jesus Christ says His church is. It's not what you gather to... Maybe, maybe people like to play bingo. Maybe you like to play poker. I don't know. What, what, whatever. You know, maybe you do costume parties. That's all cool people stuff. But when the Lord redefines you, He's redefining His church. He's redefining your purpose. He's awakening you to fit His definition. Amen? And His definition of a church is actually what He calls an army. Okay, he calls it an army in, in Revelation 19:11. That's that famous scripture. It's the description of the risen Christ, right? Eyes of fire, robe dipped in blood, written on his leg is the word of God. Can you picture him coming out of heaven? And when you get down to Revelation 19, verse verse 14, it says, "In the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses." Who's he talking about? Is he talking about some, you know, supernatural army that the, that the Lord made like this angelic army? I don't think so. I think he's talking about you. I think he's talking about his church. Why do you say that, Dave? Well, I say that because doesn't Ephesians chapter 1 say that you are seated in high places, right? Doesn't it say that Jesus ascended to make a space for you, a place that you would dwell with him? Doesn't it say that when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost that your spirit is alive? Your spirit is made new because you're connected to the one who speaks. The one who walks into the dark places and the darkness trembles because he's with you. Right? That army is you. Look at the person beside you and say, are you in the army of the Lord? The Lord is calling you tonight to mount up on your horse and to be who he says you really are. Amen? Do I have any giant killers in the house? Huh? Any demon slayers? Anybody who hunts down the darkness? Right? You know, once in a while, we fall into 
some wrong mindsets, right? We, we have situations where the world beats us down. You fall into depression. You just, maybe you just don't feel like it, right? Well, I want to talk to you tonight about the way the Lord wakes people up, right? The way the Lord awakens His army. Maybe COVID has you in your house shaking like a leaf, right? But that's not where the Lord has His army, right? Do you think, do you think those diseases were in the time of Paul? Do you think do you think that stuff existed in the time of the of the disciples and 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 when they went into the world and shook it? Yeah. And so the Lord is awakening people in a time of fear to come out of that, right? You have to be, you're conscious of your concern, you're conscious of fear, but the Lord pulls people out in those times and reveals something greater in you because you're a conqueror. If Christ conquered darkness and you're in Christ, then you are a conqueror like the one who conquers. Amen? Turn to the person beside you and say, you are a conqueror in Christ. You see, there's one of my favorite scriptures. I'm going I'm to take you to Mark uh, chapter 16, start with verse 14. And this is after the resurrection, Right? The disciples are sitting in a room. They're huddling. They're shaking. They're scared. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks into the room. In the book of John, it says He walked through the wall. He came into the room. He came in in a miracle power. Right? And starting with verse 14, it says, Later He appeared to the eleven and sat at their kitchen table. You know, the kitchen table was a place... I don't know about your house, but the kitchen table was a place of intimate conversation. It's a place where you're eating and talking to each other, dealing with people's problems, your, your, your daughter, your, your son, your wife, your husband. All that stuff is happening at the kitchen table, right? You see, at my kitchen table, my, my, in the early days, my kids learned to prophesy at the kitchen table. My kids learned to interpret the voice of the Lord at the kitchen table. We also had situations at the kitchen table. We had tears at the kitchen table, right? Anybody have tears at the kitchen table? We have hugs at the kitchen table. We have situations where even in, the older, in their older days, you know, in their teenage years, I would say family meeting at the kitchen table. And they go, oh, Dad. it means it's a big deal. Something big's going to happen, right? Some, the, 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 word, the Lord had a word for somebody. Somebody's going to get encouraged. The family's maybe moving. I don't know. We had all kinds of discussions at the kitchen table, right? Sometimes mamas and daddies got to slap their kids at the kitchen table. Anybody have to slap their kids at the kitchen table lately? Huh? Mama dealing with, with uh, Cindy Lou and Bobby Joe and... You know, they're they're back and forth all day long and all of a sudden she had enough and a whack. Straighten up, boy. Straighten up, sunshine. Right? Get in line. And that, right? It's hitting home, right? That's That's real life. You think Jesus wants to meet you at a kitchen table? You see, sometimes even as adults, even as teenagers, we all need slapped, right? Jesus, Jesus walk into the kitchen and he, he has a way to do it, right? Sometimes He's stern. I've had Jesus come to me, the fear of God come on me. I start to cry. I go downstairs. I said, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to, right? I had other times where the Lord comes and He puts His arm around me and pumps me back up and resets me. 
There's a lot of things. There's a lot of ways. So when I use the word slap, I mean it in a tongue-in-cheek way, right? Jesus came into that room to slap those disciples back in shape. He loved them. He cared for them. Sometimes there's hugs. Sometimes there's, there's arms wrapped around them. Sometimes there's literally a smack in the backside. Let's go. Come on, let's go. Amen? So, now that you understand the context of Jesus coming into the kitchen table, let's look what He said. He appeared to the eleven as they sat at the kitchen table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen Him. Have you seen Him? Huh? Who's had a dream in the last week? I saw Jesus. Who had a vision? I saw Jesus. Who knows He's alive? Huh? Anybody? Is there anybody? Come on, man. See, I know He's alive. When that fear thing comes down, when, when, when that evil anxiety comes down or whatever it comes, it's like, oh my God, I pull out my prophecies. I pull out the dreams and I said, I don't care what you say, devil. The Lord says this. I don't care what you say, devil. The Lord says this. I feel that depression draping over me. But the Lord says, I rebuke you, Satan. Are you with me? Come on, are you an army? Come on, are you an army? Amen. Amen. Verse 15. And he said to them, in the power of the Holy Ghost, go into the world, preach the gospel, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. You will cast out demons. They will try to hunt you and defeat you and intimidate you and haunt you in the nighttime. But you will cast out demons. You will baptize people. You will pray in tongues. Amen. You will lay hands on people and see them healed. So the Lord is saying, despite what you feel, despite what CNN is yapping in your ear, are you with me? Despite what that evil voice is haunting you and making you fearful, making you afraid. The Lord is coming to slap somebody. Turn to the person beside you. And if you want to, you got to be cautious on this, but you pop, give, give something, you might pop, right? Come on, Lance. Lance, you need to want, you need to find kitchen tables to find somebody to pop, slap them, slap them back into shape. Come on, man. You were born to cast out devils. Tell them, tell the person beside you, you were born to cast out devils. You were not born to be fearful. Amen? You were an overcomer. Tell the person beside you, you're an overcomer. You are in the army of the Lord. These signs will follow you. In my name, you will cast out devils. You will lay hands on people. They'll get baptized in the Holy Ghost. They'll get saved. Amen? Come on, man. Is anybody with me in here? Come on, is there anybody out there? Are you an army? Are you an army? <laughs> now don't go around slapping people for real. Say Dave Cuppet said I had authority to literally pop you, okay? I'm, it's a metaphor. Get in line, amen? Get in line. Believe. Amen? Any, you believe? Come on, anybody out there believe? Do you believe? Jesus said all things are possible if you... All things are possible if you... Come on, all things are possible if you... You see, when the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby, she said, what? Huh? What? The angel spoke to her and said, 
All things are possible with God. All things. I don't care what situation you're dealing with. I don't care what you're up against. I don't care what doctor's report came to you. All things are possible in the name of Jesus. All things. Tell the person beside you, all things are possible in the name of Jesus. You see, there's two things that we have to focus on here tonight. For, in order for you to find out who you really are, you have to be so dependent on the voice of the living God that all this other clutter that says you're woeful, you'll ne- never measure up, you're not going to achieve, you have to recognize those are lies. It's meant to break you. It's meant to imprison you. But the Lord says, I come to heal you. I come to save you. I come to awaken you. I come to equip you. I come to send one man into the world and preach to thousands. Are you with me? I I came to send and awaken one man. You know, the first time I ever came to El Dorado, I'll never forget it. I wrote about this in my book. Meredith, Meredith was sitting in the back row and I'm watching her the whole time I'm preaching. And I get done preaching and I walk back. I stand in front of her. I didn't do anything. I just stood in front of her. And as soon as I stood in front of her, she starts bawling. And as soon as she starts bawling, this cry comes out. It's like I could feel what was in her and why she was weeping. And what I saw was a man in a prison cell. I saw a man sitting in a prison cell. And the next thing I saw was Jesus walking up with a key and opening it up. And the man looked up and said, it's not my time to get out. I'm in here for years. And he says, no, I said, it's now. And I started to prophesy to her. I said, who is the man? Who is the man in the prison cell? And she goes, oh, Lance. All I, could, all I could understand was Lance. Lance, it was Lance. So we started to pray and we started calling Lance out of that prison. Guess what? I showed up four months later. Cricket's like, hey, you got to come back. I said, all right, I'll come back. I come back four months later. Guess who's sitting in the back beside Meredith? Come on, man. Come on. You see, the world tried to destroy him, but the Lord called a man out with a purpose that the devil cannot stop. Are you with me? The devil cannot stop the the purpose of God. It's what the Lord says. Tell the person beside you, it's what the Lord says. That's why dreams and visions and the power of the Holy Ghost are so important in your life. It's what the Lord says. He says, you will dream dreams. You will have the vision of the Lord. You will know my voice. And together, we will conquer the darkness. The darkness cannot stop the light. It cannot stop the voice of God. Does anybody believe it? Come on, I'm looking just for a few. I'm looking for a few to join the army and say, I believe what the Lord says. Come on, that's why, that's why a vision is so powerful. It's not just a, I think this is what's going to happen. No, the Lord says, I'm showing you, David, about this person's life. And when you speak it, you're changing their destiny. Was Lance's destiny changed? Your destiny is dependent on the voice. Come on, say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost, speak to me and pull the real me out of me. Take me out of the cage. Take me out of the prison that this world has defined me as. Awaken me as the giant killer that I am. Amen. Come on, amen. 
Come on, man. I don't, I've, I've never seen, I've, never, I've actually never preached in a parking lot. And I've seen people get so excited they run circles in church. But I have yet to see people run circles in a parking lot. So if anybody has the Holy Ghost come on them and you start doing laps, Cammie, you get pictures. Amen? All right. You may be thinking, well, you know, this whole voice of God thing, do I really have to hear it? Listen, the voice of the Lord is the centerpiece of a relationship. How can you say you know Him, you believe in Jesus, without hearing His voice? Without believing what He says, that He is with you, He's right beside you, right? You see, that Bible is about a level. That Bible gets you to a level. But Jesus expects you to step up into heaven, to take your heavenly position, sitting in His presence, hearing Him, knowing Him, depending on Him. That not only does your house get clean, get be a place of peace, but you then go out. The Lord starts sending you out because you are so voice dependent. Amen? The Lord said, uh, I don't know if you know this, but in the story of Saul and David, you know, it's a contrast to two men. They were both anointed. One man that was voice dependent, that was David. The other man tried to play the part. He, re- he actually heard the Lord and refused to do what he said. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, it's a picture, it's a story where Saul had actually heard the Lord speak to him and say, kill every Amalekite. Do not let any single one of them breathe alive. And he kept the best because the people murmured. He listened to the people rather than to the voice. Okay? And the prophet Samuel came with the word of the Lord to, to Saul. And he says, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offering and sacrifice? Meaning you appear righteous to the people. Okay? as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So he's contrasting the voice of the Lord versus looking like you're righteous, looking like you're what the people want. It's not about what the people want. It's about what God says. Because if you are concerned about the people, if you're concerned about the people and what they're concerned about, you'll never get them delivered. Because the only thing that can deliver them is the power of the Holy Spirit and the voice of God and what He says to people, pulls people out of prison cells, calls them things that do not exist as though they do, and suddenly they become youth leaders. Suddenly they become supernatural things that did not exist because the Lord spoke. And so what did the Lord do? He said, all right, Saul, if you're not going to listen to me, He moved them aside. And he moved the guy called David, a shepherd boy, who learned to sit at the Lord's table in the middle of the field and had one-on-one conversations at the Lord's table. Do you think every day with the Lord was just an amazing, awesome thing where it was just all good? I can picture Jesus coming in, and I'm just speaking from personal experience. Sometimes Jesus walked in and said, Here, David, let's sit down at the table. And whack! Slapped him! Straightened him out! That's why, that's why he became so dependent and could stand in front of a giant, an impossible thing, because he said, if the Lord said, if the Lord said, you are going to be beheaded, Goliath, you will not stand and call against the armies of the Lord and mock them. I am one man and I can hear his voice and the Lord says this, this day you lose your head. Amen. 
Is there anything in your life that you're getting an unction that you feel like you need to speak to and say, listen, fear, this day you lose your head. Listen, anxiety, this day you lose your head. Listen, poverty, this day the Lord says you lose, you lose, you lose, you lose your head. Amen? Come on, man. You see, the kingdom of heaven is voice-driven. The kingdom of heaven is voice-driven. There's a lot of people that read Scripture that don't know the voice. They try to appear righteous. But the Lord says, I make giant killers who, who, who dwell in my presence and hear me. Amen? That's why He baptizes people in the Holy Ghost to give you an option to come and believe and expect and want and thirst. David actually described his relationship with the Lord, with the presence of God as a deer panting by the brook. I need a drink. I need a drink. Does that describe anybody's prayer life in here? Huh? Does anybody wake up every day and say, Lord, I need a drink. Lord, I need a drink. Lord, I need to hear you again today. Lord, I need a drink. I don't know what this feeling is. I don't know why I feel this anxious. I don't know what this is. Lord, I need a drink. You know what the Lord's doing? He's making a giant killer. Amen? Turn to the person beside you and say, the Lord's making you a giant killer. (laughs) You see, He never called you to do something possible. If it was possible then you're not living a true Christian life. If you're living a possible life, I have news for you. Somebody deceived you. Somebody sold you a bag of goods. Anybody can get up and go to church. Anybody can get up and go through the routine and and appear like you're sacrificing. But the Lord didn't call people just to sacrifice. He called them to obey, to believe so profoundly that the impossible cannot stand in front of you. Amen? The impossible. Does anybody have an impossible situation? Does anybody have an impossible situation? You see, the Lord is awakening an army in America. He's let He's let this falsehood. He's let this this powerless church be exposed, so that the Davids would come out of the darkness. It, they would come out of hiding. They would come out because the Lord calls them out when He speaks. You're seeing one. You're seeing examples of one guy doing supernatural things. Anybody follow Sean Foyt? Yeah, Sean, Sean Foyt, one guy. He says we're not going to take this stuff that they're doing to us. And he suddenly crosses the Golden Gate Bridge, and the thousand people are following. The next thing you know, all across America, people are coming in the presence of God. There's hundreds. Hundreds and thousands of people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Yet you been to any of his events? I mean, they're they're pretty awesome things, man. They're they're just seeing the power of the Holy Ghost touch people. But one person, one person, right? The Lord calls people out of prison to awaken a person to do a supernatural thing because they're voice driven. Amen. Anybody find somebody to slap yet? How about how about yourself? Slap yourself. There's no fights going on out there in the cars, are there? If, if anybody, if a husband needs help, just r- r- put your arm out the window and, and we'll, we'll send out the Calvary to help, to help you. Oh, oh, we got one over here. We got one over here. <laughs> Amen. You get the point, right? 
Lance, you got a, you got a list of people to slap yet? The whole group? We'll make sure they get slapped before the weekend's over. <laughs> you see, have you been born again? Who, who here is, if, if you had answered the question, you, would you be born again? You'd raise your hand and say, yeah, I've been born again. Is that everybody? Because don't feel bashful. I mean, I, you know, if you're not born again, we're going to get you baptized here in the Holy Ghost tonight, right? The Holy Ghost is here to get people filled with the Holy Ghost, to hear Him, that you would not look at this world as a, as a place of, an, of, a, of imprisonment, but a place that the Lord awakens you to conquer. Amen? But it all starts with you being tuned in to the Holy Ghost to hear Him. Amen? When Jesus talked about being born again in John 3, the famous Scripture, right? He's talking to Nicodemus. You must be born of the Holy Spirit. You must be born of water in the Spirit. Amen? And so what does that mean? He goes, he, later on, he goes in, in uh, verse number 8, he says, those who are born again are moved by the wind. What's the wind? The wind is the Holy Ghost. Amen? Is anybody here wind-driven? Are you wind-driven? Do, do you put up your sail and say, Lord, where are you moving me today? Lord, what are you saying today? What are we going to conquer today? Amen? Let me tell you a quick story, a quick um, sequence of the events in my life and how important hearing the voice of God is, okay? You know, I had been baptized in the Holy Ghost in 2005, did a lot of things in the church. I saw a lot of supernatural things, uh, very saturated in deliverance. But um, in 2010, the Lord kind of shifted my life. And the way He did it was on Easter Sunday in 2010. Easter Sunday, we've got a house full of people, 25, 30 people. Shelly has tur two turkeys, hams, all kind of food. She's, you know, slaved for two days, cooking, all this stuff. And now it's time to sit down and eat. I get a plate of food. I walk over, I sit down at the table, and all of a sudden I hear the Lord say, I want you to go to 7-Eleven. I went, Now? And I start cutting my ham, my turkey, I'm shoving my mouth. And he's, he's like, right now. I, I jumped out of my seat. I slid my plate behind the hutch so mama wouldn't see it, right? Because if mama sees it in the midst of Easter dinner, it could have been bad. But I slid out. I get in the car, slide down three miles down the road, go into 7-Eleven. I walk into 7-Eleven. I look around. There's no one. And I'm like, all right, Lord. Who are you talking about? I look over. I'm standing in front of the cashier. He doesn't speak anything. Nothing. I'm standing there. Ten minutes go by. Fifteen minutes go by. I'm like, what are you doing? Why, why did you send me out on Easter dinner? I get back in my car and I'm like, man, I, I know I heard the voice of God. I know I heard it. And so the next thing I know, I, I pull into the driveway I'm, I'm walking through the garage. I put my hand on the door to walk into the kitchen. As soon as I put my hand on the door, I hear the Lord say, I just wanted to see if you'd go. And I went, oh my gosh. It was life-changing. I mean, I worked in the gifts of the Spirit to that point, but becoming entrusted. What happened to Dave on Easter dinner? I was sitting at the table and the Lord came up and said, pop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adjust you. I'm going to upwardly adjust you to even believe in me 
not knowing what's going to happen. I just wanted to see if you'd go. Amen? India never would have happened without Easter dinner. Okay? A couple years later, the Lord sends me to Pittsburgh. He sends me to a particular church. I walk into the church and the pastor says, I believe the Lord sent you here to help me. We know nothing about the Holy Ghost. We want activated in the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm like, now we're talking, right? So I walk in. He says, did you get a vision? I said, yeah. I said, this is what's going to happen. Long story short, 300 people get baptized in the Holy Ghost in this church. They're all praying in tongues. People are weeping on the floor. It was wild, okay? Things progressed. 2015, I have a dream. The Lord says you're going to India. A man from India will call you. I get up seven days later. I get... I get a call from India. The rest is history. We've, we've preached and ministered to thousands of pastors, over 6,000 pastors baptized in the Holy Ghost in India, over 100,000 people. You know, all those things are, are, are wild, but it's a progression. The Lord then started giving me dreams in, in uh, 2018 about Ohio and then specifically about Toledo. I thought he said Tampa. I actually argued, did you say Tampa? Because I'll go to Tampa. Well, I'll pack up tonight. And we'll go to Tampa. But he kept saying, Toledo, Toledo. <sighs> All right, I'm going. And so I went. And we started to school the Holy Ghost. And the next thing you know, we're at the school, school the Holy Spirit. Um, because the Lord sent me to, to this street, Ontario Street. And there, there, was, a, there was a pastoral team that had a, a team of about 50 pastors in the city. And I didn't understand why he sent me to Toledo until he told me to go to Ontario Street. And the next thing I know... One of the ladies says, you need to start School of the Holy Spirit, which is what the Lord was talking to me about for a year as to why I was going to Ohio. Okay? So, I get to Ohio, a um, bunch of pastors in, in, this, in this school and a, a bunch of people from different churches. Long story short, the supernatural things started to happen in, in the school. Okay? One, you know, we had, we had nights where it was holy laughter. Every, everybody breaks out. You ever experience holy laughter? I know that's a tough one to swallow for a lot of people, but it's a, it's a work of God. It's the hand of the Lord. People, the whole room started laughing in the Holy Ghost. Okay? A couple weeks later, the Lord wakes me up and says, you know that angel that I sent with you to India? He's going to be in the room. Okay? And so I got, I got into the room and I said, this is what the Lord said to me. There's an angel that's going to be here. And we were talking about being sensitive to the Spirit. Can you find the angel? Everybody in the class stands up. They're walking around the room. They're like, it looked like a bunch of kids on, e on Easter, look at, looking for Easter eggs. Everybody's looking around the room. I'm just sitting back. I'm laughing. It was awesome. And all of a sudden, the guy says, right here, right here, feel this. And people started going over, and they, they would stand in it. And it was like, oh, my gosh, it was like this. It was just like heaven dropped into the place, okay? And they took turns. And this girl who did not believe in Jesus She's watching from the outside, right? You guys are nuts. You actually believe angels are real? You believe that guy telling you angels are real? You're all nuts, right? So a couple girls convinced her to walk up. She stands in the, in the spot where the angel is. Glitter started, like gold dust, started appearing down her arms. Down her arms. It appeared all over her face. She looked at herself, and as soon as she saw heaven revealed on her, she falls out in the Holy Spirit. She falls down, right? And I can tell you story after story about what happened in, in the Holy Ghost uh, school in Toledo. But 
Those are the type of things that started happening, okay? And uh, there's one particular pastor, his name's Jimmy. He's got a church of about 300, 350 people. And they're one of those churches, they were actually anti-Holy Spirit. They did not believe. And I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, why is this guy here? What What are you trying to do, Lord? And all of a sudden, Jimmy comes up one night. Jimmy gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's laying flat on his back, and he starts praying in tongues. He goes, what is this? He's just getting totally annihilated in the Holy Spirit, right? And so he gets up, and we start to pray. He says, what do I do? He goes, they won't believe any of it. I said, listen, the Lord is putting you on a mission. You're going to transform your church, but we have to do it with wisdom. So we started to pray. How do we do this? And so the Lord started giving us visions of different people on His leadership team. He would, he would bring them. One guy standing beside me, his gift of prophecy starts to get activated. He starts prophesying over people. The next week, he brings a girl who, who's being led to pray for people and heal. She gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. She goes, oh my gosh, my hands are on fire. What do I do with this? She falls out and she, she prayed in tongues for 24 hours straight. Okay? Just supernatural things. And so he calls me just a few weeks ago. He goes, we're standing up and people are having visions. We're laying hands on people. People are crying. They're weeping. They're in the presence of God. What do I do next? And I'm like, Jimmy was called by the Lord to awaken the army of God that he wouldn't just have people sitting in pews, sitting, doing routine things, waiting to be fed, but they're riding their horse. They got their their sword pulled out. They're using their gifts. They're baptizing people in the Holy Ghost. They're doing the supernatural. Amen? That's what we're all called to do because the gifts of the Spirit are not just for a guy like me. Every one of you are called to prophesy. Paul actually begged the church in in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says that I pray that you all pray in tongues even more. Say even more. Even more that you prophesy. Why? Because it's the Word of the Lord that transforms people. And you're all supposed to be prophesying over each other. You're all supposed to be saying, Hey, Jim Bob, this is what the Lord said to you. You're not supposed to be laying in bed, woeful, ashamed. You are. And start to speak what the Lord said about them. Amen? That's what a body, that's what a mature body is supposed to function like. How many people are here praying the Holy Ghost? How many people here prophesy? How many of you get visions? All right, we'll say this. Say, Holy Ghost, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I want to pray in tongues and I want to prophesy. Make me a weapon. Make me a weapon in your army. I will not sit still powerless anymore. I was born to prophesy. Come on, say it again. I was born to prophesy. Come on, I was born to prophesy. Lord, you heard them. You heard the command out of their own mouth. Lord, you promised. You said that the Spirit of God would be poured out on your army. That it would be thunder and lightning running across the earth. That the earth would actually fear the church instead of the church fear in the world. And that's what that book Transfigured is about. It's about you stepping into your true identity. The book of Revelation
revelation was not meant for you to fear it. That's a bunch of, what do you guys say around here? Hogwash? That's a bunch of hogwash. Kirk Cameron movies. I hope I get taken up before the rapture. I hope I get raptured before the, you know, the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Listen, none of that matters. Unless you step into the actual purpose of the book of Revelation, that you are mounted on your white horse, following the general, following the King of kings and the Lord of lords, following the one who leads an army into the earth, and the earth fears the army of God. Do you know how I go all the way around the world? Oftentimes, one person into dark places alone. Number one, he said, he said, go. So I go. And if I can't get anybody to go with me, guess what? I'm still going alone, but I'm never alone. I'm never alone. I am never alone because I got the king of kings. I got the one who stamped on Satan's head walking with me. And if he said to go, I am an army. I am an army. I'm not just a guy. And you need to have a mentality that you're not just a guy. You are not just a girl. The Lord says that, and, 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 oh my gosh, I'm starting to preach again. The Lord said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, you are a new creature. The likes of which the world has never seen. You see, the church has accepted a dumbed down version of born again. Just come to the altar and keep your problems. No! Don't you dare! If you come to this altar, you better set your mind. You will not keep those problems. You will not keep them. You will conquer them because you're a new creature. The world has never seen it. A giant killer. Somebody who's going to take the promised land. Somebody who's going to conquer sickness and disease. Are you with me? Is there anybody who says, I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to accept the problems of my forefathers. I refuse to accept the curses of my mother and my father. I refuse because you're a new creature. You see, if you walk in the revelation that you are a new creature, you will not accept, even though that thing comes and whispers to you in the night season by your bed, making you shake, making you fear. You just roll over and said, Devil, tonight is the night that I step on your head and the curse is broken because I'm a new creature in Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost is in me. I refuse it. Come on, right now, every one of you have a problem that you've accepted even though you were born again. You've accepted that problem. And on the count of three, I want you to name it. And we're going to pray against that problem. One, two, Three. Now say this in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Problem. I command you gone. gone. Every demonic spirit spirit. that infuses that problem in me. I say it rubs off. I say say the oil of Christ Christ will not let that problem stick to me any longer. longer. In the name of Jesus, I command every unclean spirit. Leave me now. Leave me now. Leave me now. Jesus Christ became a curse so that I would walk in the freedom of the Holy Ghost. Curse! 
Leave me now. Curse. Leave me now. Leave me now. Come on, name it. Fear. Unbelief. Doubt. I break that lie in Jesus' name. I break it in the name of Jesus.